I missed the episode last week because I had to travel. I know how it goes. If you just just know in future reference, if there's gaps with these episodes, no, I'm traveling on the road. I'm a traveling musician, so that prioritizes over the podcast sometimes. So I try to be as consistent as possible. I said once I got my, my vocal situation together that I was going to be more consistent and. I, and then also, there was really nothing to talk about. I think most of what I saw in the internet discussions, because I always try to do implement episodes if I'm going to continue on doing it solo. Sometimes if I don't have a guest, most of what I'll be talking about, I guess, is the topical things. I guess I could call it the, call them raggedy and savvy talks. I guess, raggedy talk, like separate, you know, self-explanatory raggedy talk being whatever's happening in topical news and popular culture news and savvy talk will be the good of the popular culture news. Um, I don't know if it's much of it. I didn't really read much of anything savvy uh, going on this week. I'm trying to remember if there was anything significant that has happened in the past um, week or two that's happened that was all positive. I can't think of any. I I think I read some Emmy nominations, a lot of, uh, which is ironic given the the WGA SAG strike, if you're not aware, the writer's Writers Guild of America and Screen Actors Guild. Oh, Writers Guilds of America have been on strike for a few months, and the contract ran out. Or you know, stipulations, you know, renegotiations happened for the Screen Actors Guild, which are for the actors. Uh, the writers were on strike first, and now the the, the actors are on strike now. The SAG. Uh, which just happened, I think, sometime last week. I can't remember the specific date, if it was Friday or last Friday or Saturday, but they went on strike to join the Writers Guild of America. And so, you know, getting back to the Emmys, you know, they just released the nominations for that, which is so odd. Just the timing of it all, like, you you can't see this is all perpetrated or all you know, condescent, or not even condescent, but just uh, overall, like, premeditated thing to get these actors and writers to give in during these situations. And, you know, the sad thing is, is that it's going to be a lot of shows that are going to be canceled because of this strike. You know, this is just their excuse to get rid of shows. 
because they did the same thing back in 07, 08, because I remember that writer's strike when that happened. There was a lot of shows for CW that got axed. They had that whole merging of CW and uh, WB. It was a lot of black shows and UPN uh, network. They had a lot of black shows and all those negotiation deals. A couple shows they took from UPN and put on when they merged WB to CW. They took, um, I guess, the successful shows on UPN and put it on the CW network. I remember specifically it was um, or the shows that were trying to develop that were already there. Uh, the game. Um, what else was it? Girlfriends and everybody hates Chris because I remember it a lot. And then I think all of us was all of us on there because that was on UPN. I think they I think they were on there too. Yeah, they took a few of those shows from UPN and put it on the CW network they were trying to build. And, you know, girlfriends, and and evidently, you know, the the writer's strike back then, it affected a lot of those shows they chopped. Girlfriends uh, was one of them because when it was happening, they didn't even get a final episode. They didn't even get a... A, a season finale episode or anything they just ended their eighth season of the show during the strike so that was it's, it's interesting how, how this is all going to play out in terms of the shows that they're going to going to keep and which ones they're they're going to decide to get rid of but I'm going to get into that discussion a little bit deeper later because it's a lot of information that has or not you know just the the basis of what the writers and actor strike is for Hollywood, you know, a lot of that conversation has been happening on the internet that I've been keeping a close eye on and doing my own research of what it is. Uh, well, I'm going to get into that um, later in the list of stuff that I have to talk about. Um, one of I, I just wanted to get these out the way first before I got into that because what I'm going to tie into the writer strike and uh, the actors uh, all, all the striking that's happening in Hollywood I was going to tie that into a, a bigger picture of where I want to go with it so I was going to save all this I'm going to save this conversation or at or talk more about the writer and actor strike you know after I finish these next couple of topics and just get it out the way what I saw the internet was talking about and it's it's just uh I think this was happening for like a couple weeks it was a lot of respectability conversations happening with the whole Usher concert and you know people you know enjoying or women enjoying it and then it was like the Essence Festival happened all in that uh some weeks ago um, I think it was Megan The Stallion was a headliner on you know, one of the nights at Essence Festival, and and you know part of her show is twerking. She gets audience members to twerk with her on stage, and that became a whole thing. And then Janelle Monae with the pasty situation with her, you know, she has a new album out, um, and you know she's you know performing her songs, and people you know. It, it just turned into, uh, you know, how the internet does with respectability. It just was like weeks of that. It felt, it feels like we've been in a month of the respectability side of 
the internet where men and women in the black diaspora (laughs) uh, like to police and try to tell people how to live and how to act and how we're supposed to be presented in front of America and yeah that whole yeah I'll I'll get into that minute but I just wanted to say uh, this story it was recent recently some days ago um, it was a story that became uh, I guess viral news it was a, a, a young lady in Alabama I wasn't really keen on all the stories I just saw the the um the photo of, of the the missing her name is uh, Carly Russell and I saw she's from Alabama she was missing and it was like a whole lot of details um that were said that she was you know kidnapped possibly kidnapped and that she was missing and that you know it was a whole search for and the internet was like sort of you know making a real real big deal about it and you know and you know thankfully you know she was found alive um, somehow she made her way to her parents' house, and from there they took her to the hospital, which I guess to ex- get examined. There was no further details. That's why I really didn't want to talk about it. But the only thing I wanted to put this in raggedy talk for is for the people. Like, okay, so I saw the internet. I've seen a lot of people. You know, like this story needs to make national news, and you know why are they not talking about this? It was a lot of that. Most of that. And then when she was found, it was like, well, what happened? Why aren't they releasing details of what happened? And it's like, I don't understand where, how we live in a world to where people don't understand there's ethics to these kind of situations and that there's still further investigations happening to where those kind of details aren't going to be presented. Like, I think people get so caught up in these, in in, in the world of, like, uh, SVU and all those cop shows and those crime murder shows and crime investigative stories where they're always this skepticism of reality. And it's in in, in some instances, it's like, yeah, that could be necessary in terms of being aware and or uh, mindful of possible danger, like in 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 a realistic, you know, way. Yeah, that that can make sense. That could be you can be hyper aware in that sense of your safety. But when it comes to somebody else that has dealt with something so traumatic, I don't understand the disconnect with empathy when it comes with these kind of situations to where something that like when you think of something so devastating and traumatic like I I can't think of anything that would be kidnapping and to think that somebody would have enough energy after dealing with that kind of experience to want to get on a national television show and to relive that you know because I know people that couldn't that needed some days to talk to police to even give a police report on what happened to them or just giving uh investigators that information to where they can find the pop the 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 person that you know the the perpetrator the um the the criminals that 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 have done these so they can get charged they have to get the information from the victim and sometimes they don't even like reliving that 
in front of a police officer or a detective to give them the information to try to find the person that did it. So to think that they're going to do that on national TV, just simply off the fact of you being nosy and wanting to know all the details of this case because some certain things aren't lining up to what you think somebody that's been kidnapped should be telling you. Because that's an everyday occurrence for somebody to, to relive trauma of being kidnapped to random people who are going to question it regardless and have to relive trauma. That's that's their go-to. That it, it's just I just don't understand people because it feel like because there was somebody said it in the comments of a post that I was looking on the internet. It's like it's like some of y'all are so demented to where it seemed like okay she was found that person Miss Carla was found and it's like y'all wanted her not to be found alive. Like that's where the sentiment is and and that's where I'm get that's what I'm getting a lot of energy for some of these people that come. It's like okay you wanted her, you wanted her found you wanted the story on it and now that she was found now it's a hoax now it's a and the, de- the more details are going to be released, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be more details released of the situation and what was going on. But to simply, you know, I, I just don't get where we have gone in America where people just have no qualms about other people's pro- or have no just tact or decency when it comes to privacy and then I also uh, uh, saw on the internet, I think it was on Twitter, where somebody said that it was a few people in the medical field, either nurses or whatever, were trying to pry in this woman's personal medical information to try to figure out what happened to her. Like, that is insane. And they said that that's a violation And you possibly gonna lose your your medical your license licensing or whatever that that's associated with that medical field. I, I don't claim to know everything about the medical field, but just just the the thought of somebody being that intrusive and and that inquisitive that you're taking now you're going beyond that. Now you're going beyond just pure evilness because what do you what what's the purpose of doing that I, I don't understand people that do that that's so much energy out of somebody's day like I'm looking at my day-to-day thing that woman is potentially dealing with possible because we don't know what all the details that that happened or or what happened to her if she was captured what all the trauma she's had to deal with, possible rape, possible sexual assault, possible, it's just so many possibilities, physical violence that was done to her. It, it, It could be a bevy of things, but to risk losing your medical licensing just to be nosy, it, it it's like, do people, I, I, I just don't understand the lack of accountability with people. It's like, I, I, I just don't, I, I just couldn't trust being around somebody that would go to that extreme just to have some information or, oh, I, oh, I told you moment. I told, like, I was right moment. Like, 
I, I just don't trust people that do that. That's just such a weird line of thinking that I, because I'm a journalist and I don't even go that far. Like it's just, it's just certain things that's intrusive and, and decent that that you, you just innately supposed to have as a human being, and that comes with being an empathetic person, meaning that you can put your your own experience to the side to understand what somebody else is going through. And that's simply just the human experience. And that, and it it just blows my mind that there's so many people in the world that don't do that, that can't fathom putting themselves in, in somebody else's shoes to understand why things happen the way they do or how they experience the things they experience, how they view the world. Because in total, the way I might experience that situation may not be the same, but I can try to find some kind of understanding of the thought process behind those emotions of being possibly kidnapping and how do you get yourself in those situations? And people always be like, oh, that couldn't be me or that would never happen to me in situations of like this or even sexual assault. We go even further with that. It's like, yeah, you haven't experienced it or, or you probably will never know that experience, but just a trauma, something that you had to relive. It's like, just understand as a human what it is to process those emotions. And even if you haven't experienced it, you can still hold some kind of decency and understanding of what somebody's going through. And that's the same related to the situation. And then if you're not getting the answers that you feel you you should be getting, then just wait for more details and hopefully you're following certain news sources. Yeah, you and, and, and that's the thing, people always depend on the internet to give them information. How about you follow actual, the, the local news, or if the local news isn't picking up the story, like in Alabama, if they're not, if there's not any news outlets, or look for independent publications. There's many ways you can find information. If a story, if, if, if that uh, local news source isn't doing their due diligence to the story and following up and, and letting their readers or, or people that tune into the news, if they're not following up on the story correctly, then find some, it, it's going to be some publication that's going to give follow-ups on this. So depend on that. Not Twitter or Instagram, threads, any any of these social media sites for you to get your, and I know I get a lot of my uh, information from the internet as well, in terms of social media, I get a lot of information from there, but if something doesn't make sense or if I'm not getting the full story of something, I'm going to research it and look it up for myself. I'm not just going to take something that at uh, Laker Lover 7229 on fucking Twitter, Instagram, whatever the username is, said and take it as facts and keep going. I don't I just don't get where we're at in the world to where decency of uh, people's privacy like even with Jamie Foxx's um 
he he just had a medical condition, uh, a, a serious situation that happened to him. No no clear 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 details of what's happening. They just said just give love and prayers, and you know keep them. You know that was simply what his daughter Corinne Fox posted on her social media. And now that some reports came out that he's still recovering, and you know seems fine. There's been a couple videos surfacing of him. You know look like he's relaxing or just you know doing day-to-day stuff, you know, in Chicago, and one was a picture in a yacht. But either way, he posted, I think some days after, um, his daughter posted that, and and he posted, oh, thank y'all for the love and for the prayers and all that stuff. He wrote that, and then that's not good enough for people. Oh, we got to see you. We got to see that you're all right. We don't believe this is really you posting on this page. Oh, you're doing this because of a new movie. This is all propaganda. Now it's not. Now the concern because you're not getting information information quick enough of this man's personal health concerns. You're not getting more details of his situation because he's not his his family or his people or him in general because he seems like he's of sound mind. Is not publicly letting y'all know what's. Or, or doing it on his own time and how he's processing that. You have to know immediately why he isn't on camera or not doing this to your liking. So now you don't believe. Now you're con- now you're acting like, oh, I'm just so confused. Like this person says this, this person says that. First off, you shouldn't even be reading any source that is not coming from the family or anybody a representative of Jamie Foxx's camp, manager PR, if it's not coming directly from them, there's no alleged source. There's no, uh, I can tell you now, Fox don't, he ain't going to never tell y'all until, unless it's something that's going to be productive to where he feels comfortable enough to share that he's never going to share his personal this and I'm sure he he's mad that it even got out that it was like that I think they were trying to jump ahead of a story just because it did happen on set and it could have possibly a blog or somebody could have picked it up and that's probably why he decided his daughter to tell the details but they're probably again he's he's doing what he does he's very private so the fact that y'all think he was going to like come on and and somehow uh self send a selfie or show himself on camera in the hospital or wherever he is in recovery in a very vulnerable state you are mistaken because he don't get down like that He's never going to do that. Even if you don't know that about that, but just have enough sense to have some decency and realize that just because he's a public figure, you're not entitled. Just like with the situation with Carly Russell, she's not famous or any of that, but just her story alone is getting viral attention. And with that, have enough decency to know that when people experience vulnerable, concerning, life-threatening, traumatic experiences, that they don't feel comfortable, may not feel comfortable, publicly 
addressing it. Why? Because it just happened. That's just common sense. If you're a person with a pulse that feels things, you have enough common sense to know that as time goes on, the details are going to present themselves. Just like with and people, I saw people on the internet comparing it to Jussie Smollett. Listen, even when that happened, yeah, some of the details didn't make sense, but in overall, we were championing for him and just for the humankind. But then when the details came out and he spoke on it and said it, things wasn't lining up and it didn't make sense. Yes, you can be inquisitive of it, but wait, I, I was inquisitive of it, but I didn't publicly say anything because I didn't have all the, all the details wasn't presented. And so what did I do? Wait until all the, the details were presented. Then I, you can make your own judgment of, of sorts of what the facts are, but none of the details, none of it specifically of what happened, happened, what happened to Carly has been released yet. And so until all those details, a either a formal investigation of, of what, what her encounter or um, recollect of the situation has happened and a possible crime that was committed have been all revealed, then y'all should really save your judgment until you get all the details. That's just a common sense thing. Jumping ahead because you're not getting instant details and impatient on how this process works and because people aren't doing what you feel they should be doing is just simply asinine, insensitive, and just inhumane. That's just really disgusting to me that, you know, you can't, you can't look beyond yourself and, and care about somebody else's well-being. And that just shows how we are as a society, I feel. Just really the lack of decorum. The, and, and then y'all talk about, these are the same people that talk about decorum and how people should act, but emotionally have the intelligence like, I'm sure it's animals that have way more empathy than what some people showcase. And y'all the same people are always trying to preach respectability, but you don't even respect people's boundaries and, and space. You don't even believe your kids should have boundaries or respect because you treat them like your little peasants that do your bidding. So, of course... You expect that from everybody else. It just shows the lack of, of respect y'all have for mankind. It's just, it just blows my mind how people just don't give a fuck about understanding other people in other contexts of, of how things work. Everything isn't black and white. I can't stand simple-minded people that think like that. It, and, and I think that's indicative of your character. I feel like it's just certain things, morale-wise, if we're going to talk about that, that has nothing to do with respectability. 
respectability is just a is just I feel is just a front of a perpetration of what you're trying to be. I honestly feel that. That's what I was going to tie into with the respectability with, you know, how people like they have so much to say about this, like how people dress and all that stuff. And then when something, you know, violent happens to women, which is always in a patriarchy, misogyny sense of, you know, how somebody dresses, then it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't dress like that. Not knowing that it's so many people that are of certain cultures that where they are dressed up from head to toe and all you can see is their eyes and still get sexually assaulted. So what the fuck does that even mean? It's just people try to find, they keep twisting and turning the narrative. And I say fuck you to all those people. Like I'm not even one that, that showcases myself or puts myself on display like that. But it ain't my fucking job to try to please somebody and try to control how somebody how they live their life and try to make an addictive indicative of somebody's character for them expressing however they want to express themselves. What the fuck does somebody wearing got to do with you? That's what, that's what we never get to. What does somebody's preference of clothes, preference of shoes, preference of accessories, what does that have to do with you? I, I just really want to ask everybody, they're always talking about, oh, the, these black women today, the way they dress, these, these black men, the way they dress, oh, this is a, 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 a travesty to the black community, this, they are disrespecting themselves, they have no honor and no integrity, what the fuck does somebody putting on or twerking, what does that have to do with you? Why do you care so much? Oh, because the children. Fuck out of here. Y'all don't fucking care about no kids. Stop it. Y'all don't care about kids at all. Y'all the same people that, you know, put stuff on the video of y'all kids listening to a certain song. Y'all don't care nothing about no damn kids. Y'all don't care nothing about these kids, so stop with the nonsense. And just to even go in further about respectability, the definition of it, they say, is a state of, there's uh, multiple, uh, two different ones. It's a noun, <laughs> state of quality of being proper, correct, and socially acceptable. The state or quality of being accepted as valid or important within a particular field. That's why I have a problem with respectability because you're trying to present yourself in a certain light to certain people. What's wrong with respectability? No, there's nothing wrong with being an integral human being. There's nothing wrong with having morals. But what you define as morale should be questioned. What are you basing around your morale? That's that's the real question. Because my morale is based on you treat me with respect, I'm going to treat you with respect. And most of the time, if you disrespect me, 
I may end up having the same energy. I know the respectability will say, oh, endure the disrespect and ignore it. But I come from the school of you talk shit, you get hit. But we can't do that because you could possibly go to jail. So within that, you try to find other ways. I know I try to find other ways to use my words besides physically putting my hands on somebody that's disrespectful because a lot of y'all have that notion of that's why the internet is so fucking crazy now because people feel like they can say whatever they want to with no repercussions and and no decency about themselves they just they just completely disrespect any anyone that don't, doesn't agree with them or their line of thinking my morale point is treating everyone with respect, whether whatever they do for a living. Because I talk to everybody the same. I don't I don't change my vernacular. I don't change my tone or whatever. Yes, there's certain ways to talk to people. Let me correct myself on that. There's certain you, you talk certain ways, like if I'm in a you know friend setting, I'm gonna use a lot more cuss words and be a lot more, you know, you know, just a lot more free than I would if I was talking in front of my parents. I try not to cuss in front of them and then other elders. Yeah, elders, period. I try not to cuss in front of them. But yeah, of course, in that sense, I'm going to, you know, because it's a respect thing. Some people, you know, there is some people that cuss in front of their, their parents. And I've slipped up a couple times in cussing. But yeah, it, they may have checked me a couple times. Like, ah, oh, you doing you too many cuss words because I, I tend to run all my cuss words together, especially if I'm passionate, passionately talking about something, which I've done on this show, on this, on these, uh, on this podcast a lot of times because I get passionate and so I get fired up and I'll cuss a lot because I'm passionate. It's not that I can't use any other way, but it, it, using cuss words makes the conviction better with what I'm trying to say. What I feel is important, you know? And, and there's some people that, you know, that cuss in front of the parents. It, it, I'm not going to sit and make a blanket statement like, oh, you're a horrible human being if you cuss in front of your parents. That's that, that's not any decorum. I'm not going to sit and make a whole analysis of a person, especially if their parents are comfortable with it. What, what, what does that have to do with me? That's my preference. I'm not going to cuss in front of my parents. It's some people that are cool with their parents, and that's why they feel comfortable cussing because they're like friends. Oh, I can never be friends with my child. Yeah, that's you. That's your situation. There's so many ways we can go with this in terms of parenting and, and just the whole ideology. People have their way of thinking and they think their way is the best way. And it's like, no, it's a lot of people in the world that don't think like you and don't operate the same way as you. And so in that facet, your way of thinking, yeah, that works for your household. That doesn't work for everywhere else. And that's where the problem is. People think, because they solely believe something to be true, then that everybody else has to feel that way. It's the same with Christianity. Yeah, that's your belief. But a lot of people practice different religions in the world. So it's kind of fucking, you know, ridiculous to think that somebody's going to have that same line of thinking when they don't come from the same background, especially if their culturally wasn't brought up that way. Of course, it's different. It's just like with in the same Christianity realm, right? There's so many different denominations, right? Baptist. Kojic, Pentecostal, all that stuff. I don't know nothing about them other denominations. I was raised Baptist. 
And so the way I was raised, I'm sure, I'm, I'm 100% sure, just from conversations I've had people that grew up Kojic and Pentecostal, the way I was living, that's absolutely sinful. Because <laughs> we were listening to all secular music, all R&B, all hip-hop, all day in my household. All day, every day. And that was banned. There's a lot of people that grew up not listening to that. So they're the same age as me, but they don't know who such and such is from the 80s or 90s. And I'm like, what world were you living in where you weren't listening to that? Like, we couldn't listen to that. We couldn't listen to it. So I'm going to sneak and listen to it. Is that indicative of their character? Because I think they're a bad person because they don't know this person or that person. No, because they culturally didn't grow up listening to that music. So my experience with music in terms of uh, going to parties, hearing this at parties, mama's nostalgia with that, going to house parties and hearing this music, it, it triggers different emotions when I hear certain songs. Because I'm like, oh man, I remember they played this at this club. I remember that. If somebody that's Christian that didn't hold to that, even though I'm still in, the, uh, in that realm, but my faith didn't, you know, ban me from listening to certain stuff. Now, could I say they were bad people from doing that? No, that was just how that denomination was. And if you didn't like it, you could simply not partake in it. But if they're pulled into a doctrine that banned it, which it doesn't, they just pick and choose. Now, now you're talking about something else. Now we're now we're discussing something else when you talk about picking and choosing things, and then all of a sudden now it becomes a rule. That's where the problem is. Because y'all uphold to these standards and these rules that people just fucking made up. It's not the standard law to operate this way. Y'all just choose to make it acceptable in society when that's no longer the president. Nobody operates that way anymore. So to continuously try to uphold stuff that doesn't even represent what the the, the doctrine that you believe in is just outdated. And they're like, oh, well, that's just old school and that's just how I turned out fine. Sure you did. But to continuously think that your experience is the only experience that matters is very simple-minded. Your experience is your experience. Nobody has the right to question, or if you've lived certain truths, that's your truth. But at the same time, that's your truth. That's not, you don't speak for everybody. And that's where the problem is with the internet. People like to speak for other people in the sense of, trying to be right when in actuality there should be some kind of understanding of perspective when you're talking to people of certain things that move culture that move things when we talk about people twerking what's the what's in essence what's the problem with it oh we shouldn't do that in public that's private stuff People having, just outwardly having fun, you have an issue with. Cool, we got that. What's the next problem? Oh, the clothing of choice. Back in my day, back in my day, decency and respect. You know what's not decency and respect? Violating somebody's personal health concerns. That's decency and respect. 
And I guarantee you, these same people that have problems with people twerking are the same peoples that have no problem being invasive about what happened to Carly Russell. I guarantee you these are the same people. Promise you. I promise you these are the same people because the shit never lines up. That's where the problem is. That's where my issue is with these people is that you can sit here and criticize shit. Y'all worry about the wrong shit. That's what's wrong with that's what's wrong with our community. We worry about the wrong shit. Worried about the imagery of how somebody, how we're presented to the world. And like, this is why, you know, they don't respect us because we got all that shit. Makes absolutely no sense. Y'all just want to control people. Just say that. Just say you want to control people. It'll make your argument more forward. Because you simply trying to turn the narrative of this is why they don't respect us. They, 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 there's possibly no way of somebody, your imagery, however you're perceived from black people or white or, or non, non-black people, however you're perceived by non-black people, they already felt their way, whether or not they need a token black to prove that all black people aren't like this. That has nothing to do with anything. It's nonsensical to think like that. You're trapping yourself because in all of it, it centers, once again, I always bring this up in episodes, insecurity. Insecure. You have to project your nonsense onto other people. Because what does that have to do with anything? They seem like they're living perfectly fine. The Sukianas and Megan Stallions, she's headlining a massive festival. That's one, probably one of the, or it is, because one of the, the CEO, the leader of uh, Essence, the CEO, said that their festival outranks Coachella and all that. And that's a very massive festival. So you're saying, they have no respect for themselves. Well, clearly they do. Like, oh, they're just doing this. This is how they, and I know somebody's going to make that argument. Oh, this because they're shaking their ass to make money and all that stuff. Listen, you can like it or not like it. This is part of America. I said in a prior episodes, I think during Black Music Month, I said that it's part of sectors of the world where these people exist. And because you don't want black people to be represented that way, it's a problem. The imagery. When these people exist, they live, they're live. they part of your family. And you probably don't even associate with these people in your family, which, you know, you can take a lead. But they represent a certain demographic. That's why they're popular. You don't get popular unless... There's a lot of people that agree with whatever your messaging is. What is the messaging? We have a good time, we have sex, fun, boom. It sounds like the same topics that have been talked about in rap for however many years from certain artists. It's nothing new. It just 
you're not part of this demographic anymore and you want hip hop to sound a certain kind of way and so you're trying to please which you, again you can have an issue with it but at the same time what are you doing to elevate the, the quality music that you claim that's not being represented cause I call bullshit cause there's other conscious rappers or those that you would hold up to being quality music that put that are you know super on the superstar level that you know I don't have to name off all these people but people find quality in and spend money on y'all don't like spending money on these artists that's what the problem is if you get to the root of it but that again this keeps turning to I could turn this in so many different directions because all of this correlated with the music industry let's talk about talk about the film industry and the WGA strike and SAG strike. It's all related to the same stuff. It's all related. Very much so. And with the respectability, I just don't have, I just don't, I just can't hold on to it. I just, I just not of the believer that I would never be a believer in presenting myself as modest or just a perpetration of myself just to make appease other people. Y'all know people have to do that code switch and all that stuff because I have to do that in jobs and, you know, not so much, but, you know, you know how it is, you know, certain vernacular, you know, I'm not going to talk like that and that because for one, they don't understand it. They, they try to. That's why they think black, black culture is so cool and why they want to emulate it so much, but there's certain sectors of our culture they don't understand still. And I don't want them a part of that just because I don't want them to take it and try to act like, you know, and turn it into something else. But that, that turns into other conversation. But at the end of the day, I don't, and I, I have meetings with millionaires I've been, and people from all parts of the world, non-black, and I don't change up who I am at all. Do they change up who they are around me? Absolutely. Because they always trying to blacken themselves and I say that because they always try to shuck and job in front of me and I just look at them like they're stupid and be like yeah I, I speak standard English so I, I don't I don't I don't know what you're speaking and most of the time they'll use some reference that's the funny thing about non-black people that are out of touch they be trying to use words that ain't even cool no more I'm like oh I was like yeah we stopped saying that in 1998 <laughs> you know uh we don't say homegirl we don't say this to the homeboy and all that stuff we don't say all that you know no more so you know in that regard I when they do that I just look at them like they're crazy and it usually works I'm like I speak regular English thank you in those settings but yeah they white people always try to so there's a lot of times they try to you know What's up and all that shit. You know what I'm talking. You know how white people get. I say mostly white people because uh, I don't experience that with other uh, or uh, other nationalities. It's mostly with white people. My experience, again, my experience. So I I can speak on that. But yeah, it's just it's just so many things with respectability. What I just named off in terms of the presentation of yourself, looking a certain kind of way the way people don't perceive it. They're going to perceive you however they perceive you. It, has no, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter where you graduated from. They're going to judge you regardless. There's so many different sectors of the world to where there's other clubs. Like a, like you can, you can be a part of certain societies like the Jack and Jill's. The, there's even golf clubs. Like If they don't like you, they don't like you. 
and it could be for whatever barrier reasons. It just is what it is. But you shouldn't be that shouldn't be indicative. One black person twerking at their job shouldn't be an indication of what black America is. And I'm so fucking tired of that narrative. It's so fucking exhausting. I wanna black people never get exhausted of that shit. It's some some black people, let me say that. It's just so fucking exhausting. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine being in that state of, of always trying to police and control what the fuck black people do. Just let people be, man. Damn. It's like, it, it ain't even that hard. Y'all need to grow up and get out of that space of trying to control people. You can't control people. People are going to do what they're going to do. You can't control your kids. You can't control your parents. You can't control your family. You can't control friends. You can't control anybody. And if you try to, that's manipulation. That's all it is. Stop with the nonsense. It's just nonsensical to think because you don't operate a certain way. And that, that should be the upholdment or that should be the standard. How you live is the standard of how other people should. And it is anti-black. I 100%, if you don't like ghetto stuff, if you don't like certain imagery of what those people, and I'm using those artists that I mentioned, like Megan Thee Stallion, Sukiyana, and all those sexy red, all that. If you don't like that demographic of black people, that's anti-black. I hope you know that. It's anti-black. Why? Because you don't want to be associated with those kind of people that, yeah, you can say they're loud. Yeah, you can say they're being inappropriate. Yeah, you can say that, but to try to blanket like they're making all black people look bad instead of just analyzing that one moment they had and try to blanket it as, oh, this is black. That's what you, again, your insecurity is showing. That has nothing to do with black culture. That has everything to do with you and your insecurities. It's just people's insecurities are just shining through when these conversations happen. And it's so disgusting because I've seen so much of that conversation happened on the internet and it's so it's so bothersome because it reminds me of how white people talk about black people and they claim that it's not racist the ones the ones that's saying that we're lazy and all that stuff and black people try so hard to try to prove them wrong when it's like it don't matter what you do they're gonna always find Something else, and y'all perpetrating white supremacy. Once again, perpetrating itself. Because it doesn't matter what these artists or actors do. Same thing with Tiffany Tiffany Haddish. Y'all don't like Tiffany Haddish because she doesn't represent, because she's loud or she does this in movies and she'd be shucked or whatever y'all deem as not being appropriate for black people. Y'all don't like her just for that. Or you don't think she's funny or whatever. But it's mostly based off of it's an imagery of blackness that you don't want to see on TV or you don't want represented when that's authentically who she is. Just like with these other artists, that's authentically who they are. Yes, you can grow and evolve, but there's still essence of you. If you don't accept that part of that person, you have a whole judgment of people that act like that. That's that's bothersome. And then when, when you people say that, it's so insane how people will say all these things, all oh, these are whores, these are loose went all this stuff and then when you go on that page i'm a christian i'm a lover of god a bible follower i uphold 
the doctrine of Jesus on their, in their bio, but they talk so nasty, so ironic. The people that try to uphold Christianity are the most nastiest people on the internet with the nastiest comments, have the filthiest mouths, but somehow upholder of the doctrine of Christianity. It's insane. But yeah, I'm gonna get to this. Uh, I guess I could do savvy talk. It's mostly for the the WGA and the SE, not necessarily for the CEOs. <laughs> They're definitely raggedy talk for these insane. What what's been happening for years, but just why these strikes are happening is them presenting these contracts to these writers and actors of basically trying to implement these AI, trying to basically get rid of them and be like, oh, you know, you're gonna use your imagery, your likeness. One time you're gonna get paid one time for that and we're gonna repetitively use it in whatever projects that we're working on. That's insane. And the amount isn't equal to anything. That's what's so wild. And I know a lot of us that are not a part of this world, we're very shocked. I, I wasn't shocked because, you know, I watch a lot of, I'm always watching interviews. I love, and, and I study, you know, I'm a, a musician and a journal, music journalist. You know, I study a lot of music. You know, I go into the craft, I go into the discography of artists. I love watching interviews, but I use that same logic the same thing, logistics. And I do it all across the board when I learn about politics and religion. I just really delve into it and learn stuff. And with actors, I do the same thing. I like watching interviews of artists. And I've been doing this for so many years. And I've heard their stories of that. I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. You were on the top rated show and you got paid that much. And it's usually black actors that I, that would have those stories. And then it, women, it, uh, white women, white actresses would have those um, same things too so it's like oh it's a woman thing too and then I watch round tables of actors I love watching those I love watching the THR the the Hollywood Reporter uh, round tables with actors whether if it's the comedic genre the dramatic drama they'll have actors and actresses on at a round table and they're just discussing and most of the time the conversations of pay comes up the pay wage comes up and they're like yo this it took me 20 years to get to this point to make and I'm like oh man that's insane and so this has been just years of just me listening to the their experiences and then also even going further with like uh, I think Taraji P. Henson reading her book when she uh, came out some years ago I read her book and she was talking about you know, having $700 moving to, she graduated from, uh, I think Howard University. Uh, she's from, uh, she's from DC and she was talking about experience, you know, uh, going to, I think the, I'm going to get the name of the school wrong, but it was a, a, a performing arts center in, uh, DC she went to, and then she ended up going to, uh, I want to say it was Duke Ellington school and these, hopefully, I'm going to look that up while I'm talking, but she's basically describing like the many jobs she was taking in Hollywood. A lot of times it was like the, the, the either background actor jobs or being a recurring guest role. Cause I remember her doing roles on uh, what was the show? Uh, Smart guy that was on Disney. 
she I remember her being in a, some episodes on there and I'm trying to think it was some more TV show like sitcom she was on she would have like small parts on I remember seeing her there and then eventually she her big breakout role was a uh, baby boy uh John Singleton film that she did you know got notoriety from but still even with that was still a struggle she was talking about you know even after that like when she did Benjamin Button like she didn't even get paid that much to do that but she ended up getting an Oscar nomination and she thought that was going to be like the big thing that was going to you know take her career then but you know she said that her highest paying gig didn't happen until she did the Tyler Perry movie I Can Do All Bad By Myself which is insane because she did like so many other movies. She did Hustle and Flow. She did, and to know that she didn't get, because I think she said she got two million. I think that was, she said that's the highest she's ever made from a movie. And I just thought it was insane because I, you know, her being part of the, being Oscar nominated with Benjamin Button, you thought she, and being her co star being, um, was it Brad Pitt? Like, that's insane. That's really insane. And that was my awakening that. And then also Viola Davis, she talks about it in her book as well, her stroke. Because I think her first film was um, uh, Antoine Fisher, directed by Denzel Washington. And she was talking about just the struggles of being an actor. And, you know, she said it in multiple interviews in terms of the pay wage gap, you know, and just finally getting, you know, to those points of, you know, you know, and those actors are far and few between when you look at the whole mechanism of how everything is built in Hollywood it's, it's only those small chosen few like unless you're a really big actor you're not going to be able to have the negotiation deals of your liking you have to basically take and that's what people are like why don't they just do this why don't they just do that because you're, when you're trying to find your footing you don't, I mean, you don't, you're, you don't have a foot to stand on. So you either take it or leave because they got thousands of other people lined up that's going to take the gig, less money and all that stuff. And it's so insane because that's such, and I could relate to that 100% because that was, that's the, 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 the makings of how they, they do the other entertainment industries in terms of the music industry. They do the exact same thing. Is unless you have a footing, unless you have a resume, you you basically have to settle for stuff you know and then when you build your resume then you got a lot of negotiating power but it's not until you move up in ranks it's the same thing with corporate america if you don't have any experience I don't, that's why i understand why people can't understand it and i think it's mostly based on either being jealous of people you assume making millions which is not the case and, and it's mostly just jealousy or just lack of, and mostly, I should say, lack of knowledge of what the career is. And even if you do know, being mad at it, well, and which is so, uh, just, it's just so, uh, it, 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 it's just, people just find new ways to be dickheads. It's like, people fighting for inequality or pay wage gap for your response to be well teachers deal with this or that yeah they should be and and leslie jones did a perfect video response to all these people trying to diminish 
the work they're trying to do to get equal pay and said, yeah, all these industries need to be having an uprising. Like UPS, like they're getting ready to do a strike. Um, I think Waffle House, I heard some some chatter about that, about Waffle House workers uh, going on strike because of the pay wage. Yeah, every industry should. What, what point are you trying to make? It's just insane to think that even, even if you blanketly didn't know, which I, I'm not going to sit because uh, some years ago I didn't know, like I said, until I would hear these conversations from these actors and it's like, oh, light bulb moment. Oh, I didn't know that. Duh, everybody made millions and millions of dollars. You know, long, long time ago I thought that until, like I said, started listening to actors and their stories, which this is not a monolith. They all been saying this. One of them, you know, got a lot of backlash for it. Monique. You know, I've been on multiple platforms. I had a radio show. When it all happened, I was uh, 10 toes down for Monique because I was like, she's 100% right. And just recently, you know, she sued, she's suing CBS for the residuals for the Parkers. And you know what's so insane? The reason why I was thinking about that and I was on that, what really started making me think about the pay wage uh, inequality with these actors and writers when the whole Netflix, you know, I think it was something was like a couple years ago. It was very recent where they did Netflix put out all these our favorite 90s, they had this 90s nostalgia sitcom, or not even just 90s, but just all the sitcoms um, that were popular at certain periods, like Sister Sister, um, The Parkers, um, what else, The Game, all these different shows. They, they made a big announcement and had these actors do little promos uh, announcing that uh, these shows were gonna be available on Netflix. And was the insane thing was none of these people were getting residuals for or the residuals. That's mostly what they're they're fighting for is the residuals for this for uh, the streaming, which is insane. Like I, I would highly recommend people not even just to listen to me, but after you listen to what I'm talking about, go on YouTube or go wherever you can find videos and listen to these actors. Just look up WGA Strike, and you're gonna hear them talk about and give full detail or give as much information as they can about how much money they're trying to give them for residuals. Like even now, it's like 0.00033 cents or something, 10 cents. That's insane for popular shows that have, like, because the whole thing, it's like, and, and I'm going so many different directions with it because it's such an insane process to try to describe how Hollywood is uh, the, the president of SAG is, or SAG, uh, SAG, AFTRA, uh, Miss Fran Drescher, who's popularly known for the series, uh, TV series, sitcom, uh, The Nanny, which I love watching growing up. She's the president of SAG, and she gave such an amazing, amazing speech uh, talking about the strike and how the actors were gonna join the writers with the strike and that how just nonsensical to think with everything with the inflation of everything of how these these uh, CEOs are running these Hollywood studios to think that to keep come, going on with this uh, nonsense of paying them, paying writers and actors pennies, literal pennies to create or in residuals 
for these streaming apps, knowing that this new entity with that is another source of income for these actors and writers who y'all make y'all. It's so insane. Like I can go so many different ways with this. Like I can't even describe it because it's not my experience, but just hearing that a lot of times when these writers get on shows, like they're contra- contractually obligated just to do that show forever, however money that's in the contract. They can't go off and do other stuff, other acting gigs, other writing gig, paying gigs, because they're just that sole source of income. And so, and then also after what's his name? Um, make sure I got his, his name, right. Um, Mr. D.B. Woodside, which is, he's a phenomenal actor. I've always seen, I always loved his work uh, that he's, uh, all the projects that he's worked in. He's, he's always been a phenomenal actor to me. He was on Twitter recently and, and tweeted like, it's sometimes we go to Canada, like we're filming in Canada and they may give us a budget of, or, you know, give us three, $4,000 and that's supposed to last us in the film. Mind you, the film, they're, they're filming for two to three months and that has to last that $4,000. Mind you, if you look at the how housing and how apartment pricing is, housing pricing is in, in Los Angeles, you would think $4,000, mind you, they have to send that money back to keep paying up monthly rent or mortgages, however they pay, that money is supposed to last them until however long. And then if the project doesn't get picked up, that's if the if the film gets picked up, that's just the budget for them just to fly there and get there. They have to pay for their own flight, which I didn't know. That's insane. With independent, with, well, with independent projects, most of the time they do. I don't know if, uh, if he was saying with uh, Hollywood studios, but most of the time, um, just the projects alone, just to, to keep working in SAG, they have to do those kind of roles. And they may not even get paid for it. That is insane. That is an insane system. And what these CEOs is proposing, like I said, with the AI, they think it's unrealistic. One of them, the CEO, I don't even want to say his name. I know his full name, and I'm not going to say it because he's a piece of shit. Uh, the, Dis- the CEO of Disney, he he was on, C- I think, CBC or CMEC, whatever the fuck, one of those networks. He was like, uh, oh, it's unrealistic what they're proposing, what they're asking for. Are you fucking kidding me? Like all they're asking for is 2% of the studio's 300 million annual profit. 2%, what is 2% of 300 million? Let's do the math on that, 6 million. They're asking for $6 million out of 300 million. And he's saying that's unrealistic. Mind you, this is just for the writers. Just for a, a or or no, that's that's for the streaming. Six million of that. It's it's certain actors. That's their marquee. That's their mark. What they're asking price when they do a film. That is some of them don't even ask for that. It's some of them that ask for twenty million for the movie. Depending on the 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 A list actor, that's that's not even some people's actors' main pay. The A-list ones, they get those kind of contracts that can ask for that amount of money. They're not even asking for what, $6 million out of $300 million? Are you serious? That's unrealistic? 2%. 2%. You're talking about a $5.5 billion Hollywood industry, all studios combined, how much money they make. They're asking for $5.4 billion in total in terms with the actors and the, the, the writer's strike. That's 
of a, that's not even a fraction of that wealth of what they're afraid that they're going to be getting. Yes, you could call that corporate greed. Again, it can fall into so many different industries that this would apply to because they all operate the same way. And all these CEOs of the Hollywood studios, all they're doing is trying to make the stockholders happy. All they care about is the numbers, the stock. What is the stock numbers? They, they waver. It's up and down. All they care about is that. And man, I would suggest y'all look up because Miss Fran Drescher broke it down so perfectly of what's happening when she was talking about how these CEOs are doing because of streaming. Because I, I didn't understand the game plan, but it made so much sense when she said their basic game plan is the reason why some of the series that you see on Netflix and Hulu and all that have maybe one or two seasons. They don't even care because back in the day, because she brought it up so perfectly in terms of like sitcoms, like it would, because I, I remember my favorite TV shows, they had like maybe the first season they had like 20 episodes, but as it grew more successful, they would have like 22. Like, like living single, like I watch it daily. That it has like 22 episodes, 24 episodes every season. Like that was with the type of, uh, the formula of sitcoms that I was used to watching that had like more than seven, six, seven seasons. They had like 20 plus episodes. That's why you wouldn't mind buying a DVD set because you knew the money work you were going to get with it was going to be astronomical because it was so many episodes per season. But that's not the case with some streaming series. Like they don't even get 10 seasons. They don't even get 10 episodes most of the time. They may get six to eight episodes. Like there was one series I was watching. They only had six episodes. I was like, Where is, the- is this all of it? And then you get caught up on it and you liking it. And then it gets canceled. That, and that's how they do it. And then they keep pumping out other content. And how they keep the formula, formula going is that they'll pay top dollar for directors, like the, the whoever's the hottest director. Like, like um, what's my guy's name that does um, Blackish? Keon Peele. Uh, Poli. He, he gets, like, they get the multi-million dollar contracts. The A.B. Duran, like, they get multi-million dollar. They'll get those people to get, which is no diss to them, but they'll pay them high dollar. But then, you know, Miss, like I said, Fran Dresser, she said, Where's the, where else is the money going? Because they spent all the budget money giving it to the high-paid actor and director, the star, and then the writers, and they don't have the budget. They don't have the budget to give to the, the hair and makeup, the, the costume designers, the set designers, like all those people. All that stuff makes, makes the film or the TV series what it is. If it wasn't for those people, those things wouldn't exist. And so to not pay those people or to give them residuals, like that's insane. Because I remember it was some um, TV regulars that said that they made a living off that, but they said they did away with that. As Fran said it also in the interview she did with MSNBC, she said that that was the system that, that but they ended up getting rid of it to where it was like the, the, the more years, the veteran status that you had, then they had to give you more, but they don't even do that anymore. So the whole system, so in that case, like if you're getting rid of stuff, if you're cutting down on cost, cause, cause I know a lot of times, like TV, the way they do sitcoms and, and film is like totally different. In the film industry, maybe sometimes um, 
they'll be shooting a movie for months, like six months at a time, and then the next year the movie will come out. Now they say, like certain movie um, film projects, they're only filming for like a week or two at a time. Like that's such a quick thing. And then they're all learning, like you're talking about all these actors learning material that's like three, two, three hundred pages of dialogue. They have to memorize all that stuff, get ready to not only just do that, have the performance of, of, of a lifetime of giving their all to it just to not get paid for it. That's the same with, uh, they're, they're shooting film like they are TV shows, like TV series, and that's not the normal. That's why those worlds, that's why they said you, uh, I know it was a, a veteran actress said that back in the day, you had to choose one. Like if you were a sitcom actor, you had to be a sitcom actor. If you were a soap opera actor, you had to be a soap opera actor. If you were a film actor, you had to be a film, you couldn't do all these different. Now, you know, it's different now because you see like, you know, notable, you know, actors that have um, cemented themselves in TV series that are, you know, big film superstars like uh, Miss Angela Bassett. You know, she has a um, TV series on Fox. Uh, was it 911, the, the cop show? And then uh, also, you know, Viola Davis, you know, she's a big film, act- film actor. She went to TV and did the, um, the series on, uh, I believe, ABC, big, the big one, you know, how to get away with murder, like, you know, that, you know, big roles, like, in TV, in, uh, TV series, like, that's unheard of, and so, in that regard, when you look at the many changes of the film, the, of the of film industry and the, the acting industry, when you look at the many changes, how is it not evident that the pay does the same thing? Like it's kind of been insane. Like I, I just I just don't get the notion that and that's the same across again, we keep going back to other industries. It it has to change with inflation, with with changes with that, you have to elevate people's pay. It's a very simple concept. And to think they don't deserve to get paid, they're not even asking for millions and millions of dollars. They just want for the end, let's give, and then if you haven't already seen the actors that were given this information or just looking up the research for yourself, which I did, um, just to get more clarity to give to y'all. It's, it says here, when I looked it up, it says 2% or, uh, no, 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 87% of SAG members don't qualify for health insurance. That's for the actors. And, the, and for them to qualify for health, health insurance, they have to make uh, 26000 a year. And for the writers, they have to make 40000 a year to qualify. Mind you, the actors, for them, 87% don't qualify for health insurance. Let's keep that number in mind. And with the writers, they have to make 40000 a year. Actors, 26000 Writers, 40000 a year. So you see the bump in that. And they say 92% of writers don't qualify for health insurance. 87% don't qualify. SAG members don't qualify for health insurance. 92% don't qualify. That's insane. Anybody, any work field that you work in, hopefully now, if you're full-time if you're, let, let's be clear, not part-time, full-time. If you're a full-time worker in America, 
your job is supposed to add here that you get medical benefits, 401k, you know, all that stuff. PTO time, all that, how your, your system is set up. All across the board. They're starting to do it in every genre, in every uh, industry now, food industry, you know, they're behind on that, but some of them. And again, they, they clarify it with um, full-time workers and not part-time. And that's a whole other subject because that's another reason why they're striking for the, uh, the UPS workers and all that part-time workers because they're doing the same, almost the same amount of work and not getting uh, the health benefits and all that stuff for it, but that's a whole other separate thing. But even in that industry, you can compare it. Like if you worked in a regular industry, you know if it wasn't befitting that way, especially if you have a family to feed, you have kids, all that stuff, you know you wouldn't settle for that. So to think just because your notion or you think that actors and writers make mil- or people that are famous make millions and millions of dollars doing these films, that's why they shouldn't make this much or they're being greedy or there's some kind of liberal conspiracy theory or some bullshit to why they want that much money. These are the facts. This is what it is. All they're asking for is just increasing residuals that they get paid enough to where they can pay their rent or pay their mortgage or whatever they want to do with their money. They have enough money to live on. And they're not getting that. As you can see with various actors showing the residual income of getting 33 cents or a cent. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, come on. Let's let's be realistic here. But yeah, shout outs to them. I think it's real savvy that, you know, they're all fighting. Or the, the, the actors that are established that, you know, have paid their dues and getting the contracts that they so wellfully deserve are, you know, I think that's what's going to give it the, the greatest push is their support as well. Cause, and also social media. I think the mo, mo, the more uh, notoriety these strikes are getting is the betterment of them going to the negotiate table with better results than they did in back in 2007, 2008. Because back then, you know, social media wasn't as prevalent yet. We had MySpace. I think people were, you know, casually losing. Facebook was, you know, jumpstart, and I think 2005-ish, whatever. But for the most part, social media wasn't that it thing. It wasn't, it didn't, it didn't really, you know, start popping until like a couple years later. And so when Strike came around, you know, you know, they didn't have as much social media to really give. Uh, you only knew about it either from the news or some report from a magazine or something like that. You didn't really... Or just seeing that your show, your favorite show, wasn't coming back on here. But if you want to see your favorite actors, your favorite shows, and your favorite series, and and they 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 as other actors that have given the proper protocol of of what the consumer can do or the the uh, buyer can do of watching or the watcher listener of these uh, TV series and shows, um, they're not um, suggesting boycotting. Just, just really look up. If you want to know more information on how you can help these actors and writers, I think those are all. There's all funds. You go to the Line of the Arts Entertainment Fund, I think .org. You go there and you can contribute and now help. Uh, as a lot of actors and writers have suggested going there to the Entertainment Fund, uh, to Life of the Arts, I think is on Instagram. You can go there and, and they'll have more details in the website where you can, you know, hit the direct link 
to help actors and, and those that are part of the SAG and part of uh, the WGA Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild that can that will you know directly help them you know help pay bills and all that stuff so yeah shout outs to them you know keep up the good fight you gotta fight the powers man that's what it's about in all industries people always try to create separatism and act like it's not it's all the same thing all of it's the same thing even with um in the music industry we should be doing I, i'm it's, and I'm not going to say they're not because the 100 percenters, they're doing a marvelous job of creating awareness of the lack of uh, songwriter credits. And one of them said that, you know, we don't really need a union. We just need people to quit accepting. Uh, it's so many. I think that I need to have a, a panel on to talk about that songwriters and because I, I kind of disagree with it. And that's the thing it's, it's moving forward with a plan. I think that. I think that's the problem with the music industry. I'm learning stuff myself so I could try to find some way. And that's why I built my platform for is to create a network, to try to create a, that's why I did with Soul Sadness, was create a publication to where I can uphold real art. And, and also with this podcast, try to create a network to where I can bring other like-minded artists or just artists that are trying to make a living off of doing this or just other content creators and get everybody together to try to make money. You know, that's where my thing is. And I 100% get where the actors are coming from in terms of the ones that are getting the the good uh, contracts and negotiations that their agents get for them to get in these uh, big budget films they're reaching back and helping the actors that, you know, like like we said, D.B. Woodside, if you know who that is. He's a great actor, but I'm sure, you know, he's not getting those multi-million dollar contracts like those kind of actors. And also Michelle uh, Michelle Hurd, um, she was, uh, her video was circulating on the internet in, ter- in terms of, like I said, one of the actors that are describing in terms of the, 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 uh, the, pay inequality that they're all experiencing and her breaking it down like and and she said you may not even know you've you've seen me and stuff but you don't I'm not that big of a name to where you know and I'm like yeah that's how I was like I know her and stuff and then when I looked up her um I was like oh yeah she was in New York Undercover because I would watch it all the time and I think the first couple of seasons she was like a regular because she was uh playing the ADA you know, you know, the district, you know, the ADA, you know, is pretty common, especially in uh, the, the the show that is centered around um, uh, the precinct and, and cop stuff, you know, when they do trying to cut deals with the defendants and stuff like that, she's part of assisting that, the defense attorney, you know, trying to negotiate on they're going to get the client off or not or what kind of deal they're going to cut with the with their client and so she was a series regular and I, I, I always enjoyed it because she would always give you know a great performance and she was in other stuff too I remember seeing her in mostly a tv series um she would she would be on and I'm like oh yeah that's where I know her from there's a lot of actors like that like uh rest on to uh miss uh Esther Scott you know she was a a, a recurring guest roles all the time like actors like that 
you know, that may not have a, a prominent, you know, multi-million dollar contracts, but you've seen them in enough stuff where they were series regular or they were a recurring guest to where it's like, oh yeah, because Taraji P. Henson started off like that. That's why I knew. I was like, oh, that was a girl that was in Smart Guy. Like, it's a lot of actors that were like that, that, that have done stuff as they were coming up. And eventually, if they made, you know, made it through, just like with Viola Davis, like her role in Antoine Fisher, it was very small. She, she, even though she was a catalyst of why the the um, the plot line of how, why the reason why Antoine was he where he was, you know, it played her mother, and he, you know, separated her from years, and he finally figured found her. She only had that one small role, but it was impactful and it was memorable. Mind you, this wasn't Viola that the, the Viola that we we see that we the beloved that we know and love, the superstar. This was Viola Davis. I'm just trying to pay rent. I'm just pay, trying to pay bills with this role. You know, it wasn't significant to where it changed her life and she became a multimillionaire after it because she's you know documented saying talking about the struggles of getting to where she is right now. It, it all was a thing. And I remember that. I was like, oh yeah, I remember her in that. I remember her in that. I remember her in that. Like I said, Taraji P. Henson. I remember, you know, even with Gabrielle Union. I remember her, you know, guest, guesting on TV roles, on sitcoms, like with Taraji P. Henson. I remember, I was like, oh yeah, man, she was in this. Ooh, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, all that stuff. It's, it's so many different actors that have started out that way, you know? And we just, yeah, I, I always, you know, I'm a fan of art. I'm a fan of, you know, any kind of art. I find art in everything with dance, with music, with food, with uh, acting. And so I'm always for the creatives, the, the ones that put the work in to get what they deserve, especially writers, man. When you, man, when you talk about the struggles they go through, that's a whole separate podcast episode of what they have to go through. It's insane. They, they put in all their work. They have to be, if, if, uh, if it doesn't meet the liking of the person, the producer, they have to go back and rewrite. You're talking about hundreds and hundreds of pages of work. They have to, it could be incremental changes. It could be one or two things, but then it could be the whole script. Hours upon hours a rewrite and not to get paid what you work to get paid dimes and put it in masterpieces and for these greedy ass corporations these greedy ass CEOs these Hollywood films to sit here and rake in all these coins and talking about what's unrealistic are you fucking kidding me and then have the the, the, the most vile expression of Oh, we're gonna let this strike continue on because we're gonna see how broke they can get and lose their homes and stuff, and then how we're gonna get them to come back begging. And newsflash: a lot of them, if y'all didn't know, actors, they're full most of the time. They're waitresses, they're waiters, bartenders, Uber drivers, all that stuff. So they've already had people talking, oh, they should have had plan B, they should have had a plan. All these people comment on what these people should be doing. Like they lived, that's that's a whole other sub thing. I ain't gonna sit here and, and keep coming on this ep- episodes after episode uh, talking to these dumbass people that don't do talking on shit they don't know about. I don't got time to keep talking to y'all. Cause y'all start to irritate the whole fuck out of me. 
I'm with Leslie Jones when she was cussing out in that video. Just start cussing they ass out and block and block them as well. Cause shut the fuck up. I'm so sick of people that don't do shit for a living talking on it. Especially and the fact that you don't do it for a living, you ain't gotta talk on it. It's just if you're being disparaging and disrespectful and insensitive to a cause and situation to where they're trying to get betterment and all you have for it is negative. Those are the motherfuckers I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people because I'm I'm not of I'm not an actor or actress and I'm you know speaking on this, but I'm not being disparaging. I'm talking about the ones that's being disparaging. Fuck y'all. That's the people I'm talking about. You have no fucking idea what these people have to go through to create this content and all that shit. You're basing it on what you fucking perceive it to be. And they're sitting there telling you their experience and you're steady saying, well, you should do X, Y, and Z. Shut the fuck up. That's what you can do. The fuck you gonna tell somebody their experience and you ain't never experienced it. That's the bullshit that I'm talking about. It's like those of us that want to help or, or feel some empathy for the situation, we're listening. We're not sitting trying to suggest shit. Because it ain't our fucking industry and we don't work in it. The people that are working in it and trying to better themselves and do that, they're doing the proper thing by striking. Because that's how you get results. You're not getting paid fairly or just work something else. Fuck you. I hate people that say that dumb shit. We'll just find another job. Fucking dickhead. Who sits and thinks some shit like that? Just simple-minded. Y'all about as bad as these CEOs because they think they got the same damn mind. Ain't got a lick of damn sense. All y'all sharing the damn brain. And y'all, this is why they can, people in power, listen, this can go into so many different conversations because again, this goes into the political because y'all won't simply research shit and find out on your own. This is how these, these CEOs, because y'all do, they you do their bidding for them. It ain't got nothing to do with you still watching streaming because they said, you know, still do that because that's how they get paid. But I'm talking about, you don't feel certain people get, because y'all do the same thing with this minimum wage shit. Do the same thing. They were asked for 15 an hour. That's all they wanted. All right, I made this much money. They shouldn't even be making that much money. Talking about high schoolers making that much. Knowing dang well somebody's auntie, mother, grandmother even, uncle, father, grandfather work at these restaurants most of the time. Because you know dang well ain't no 15, 16 year old serving you no hamburger at 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Of course, in the summertime, but I'm talking about like regular, like when they're in school, like during school time. You know, fall, winter, you know, not just summertime. I'm talking about fall, winter, and spring. You know, dang well, 10, 11 o'clock a.m. Ain't no kid serving you no dang on sandwich. You know it's an adult. Nine times out of ten serving you early in the morning. Unless they got, they don't go to school or they dropped out, et cetera, et cetera. Even in college, they need it the most. You need the most money when you're in college, because especially if you're on your own, if your parents, you know, there's so many different um, family makeups. You know, you could have parents that help or certain family members that help kids while they're in school or college. But in terms of living on their own, they need some money to help 
navigate, you know, paying for books or if they pay, if they get grants or if they get scholarships, you don't know their life circumstance. I know for me, when I was in, in college, I was broke as hell. I didn't have no money. Shoot, $10, $20. You know, if I had $10, $20 left over, that was a lot of money to me. You know, college students need it the most in terms of the pay wage when they're starting out, if they're not in the career field yet and they wait until they graduate college to get however much money. But in the in-between time, you know, they have to take certain jobs to, you know, either whatever their, their situation is. It's simple. It's just certain people that try to uphold greed. Whatever class you come from, it's just certain people that like to uphold greed. That's all it is. They don't want somebody else to have. Y'all take on the same mind frame that these CEOs do. Because the closer you get to them, they don't want nobody close to them. That's how some of them think. I know this because I worked in corporate America. I know this for a fact. I ain't telling you something. I ain't talking about I ain't talking about no little bitty accounts either. I'm talking about some billion dollars. I'm talking about billion dollar industry I worked in. Multiple billion dollar industries I worked in. And the little portion that I was making, the five figures that I was making, getting the six figures, it was just me knowing my shit. And the value value that you bring, it has to be to the point to where they know they're not gonna make no money without you. That's how that's how the negotiations happen in corporate. I'm, ta- I'm telling you, because I, I worked in multiple industries, so it don't matter where you place it at. I probably worked it. Again, a musician. We ain't gonna get on the musician experience. That's why I identify with the actors. Cause it's literally a mirror. It's literally a mirror of life. That's why I I I, I wanted to talk about. The writer and actor strike because the when I tell you the music industry, we ain't gonna talk about that. That's a whole another podcast episode. I ain't gonna get into the, the musician experience. What? But as a musician and an actor, you have worked three, four jobs. That ain't even an assumption or no. That's ten times out of ten. You didn't have about two, three jobs, part-time jobs as a musician. I didn't work in multiple, and even if music don't work out, I got shit to fall on because my resume is quite extensive. So, i always be good, but I ain't looking at it as a backup plan because it is what it is, but when you talk about these corporations and how they run, they all run the same is what I'm getting at. In terms of the film industry, whether it's the food industry, Again, because why? Because they're all backed by shareholders. They're all backed by stock market. All they give a fuck about is all is that bottom line dollar when it comes to the stocks. I can't tell you how many corporations, and I'm saying this because I'm in business with them with advertisement and sponsorship. It's in order for me to do business with them and for me to get these deals, I have to know their numbers. So I know this shit for a fact. That's how I'm able to negotiate the way I can in the podcast realm 
or in just me building the Soul Sadness brand, this is why I can get the stuff that I can get in sponsorship because it's in my best interest as being a researcher, anybody that I have on my team to research these things of the people that I'm doing business with to where I know these numbers to where whatever my asking price is, I know it's accurate and fits for my brand because I know their brand and what they're bringing to the table and I know what I bring to the table. That's how negotiation deals happen. And so I know the big corporations that all you use that they that you see on TV, whether it's Pepsi, all those different companies like that, when you see all these advertisement spots, that's what it's about. Is the advertisement, those spots, marketing, all that stuff, the thing, the things that and, and they're starting to branch off now and using social media. But at the end of the day, all these greedy corporations care about is that bottom line. I'm saying this because I know it for a fact. That bottom line is who's going to make them money. Your value is in how much money you're going to make them. And who else you can bring on that's going to make more money. That's it. That's all they care about. And if you are an asset in those two fields, of course you're going to get those raises. Of course you're going to get that promotion. It's the same equivalency of the film industry. It's the same equivalency. So when people try to act like their job is so different, the work in the regular America is different from film industry, you're sadly mistaken because it is the exact same. The more you don't know is what they bet on. Again, I keep saying it. It keeps aligning with every facet of America. With politics. They bet. Republicans specifically. So let's be real. And people try to say Democrat, oh, the liberal, 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 because black people start to be on that bullshit too, like the like those those good old boys misinformed, just like they are. They bet on y'all not showing up come voting time. And then the ones that want to show up, they make it even harder because they know those are going to be the record turnouts in highly populated black areas. That's why they try to institute, try to get laws passed to where, oh, this is it. And it ended up backfiring on their ass. Why? Because they tried to do that, Republicans, senators. Or they actually did implement it in Georgia, to where they voted all those votes and people talking about, oh, it's rigged election and all that bullshit. No. Your state decided that mail-in ballots shouldn't be counted first. And so they were like, no, we're going to count these last. Why? Because they were trying to cheat. Again, I'm gonna, I'm, all this is going to make sense when I tie it together. They, they thought, this, oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna count these last. And then you had the hot Cheeto puff. I ain't going to say his name. Y'all know that was in charge of the country for those uh, miserable four years that he was in, 44, or is it 45? No, that was, you know, President Obama. 45 told his following, don't mail in ballots because it's rigged. He said this, like summertime of 2020, he told them don't, don't mail in ballots because it was rigged. Come election time. Again, 
It's, it's simple stuff, y'all, if y'all pay attention to shit. That's what it is. People just big on conspiracy theories and just saying shit just because they think it's true. Nothing based in facts. Just simple shit. It, 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 y'all make this more complicated than what it is. It's very simple how this world works. It just always has to be some mythical, magical shit that's happening to where it's a fucking whiz controlling America. That's not how this shit works. It's very simple. I'm tying this in because these simple people believed what this man said and went on with it like it was the truth when they could just simply research that this shit was happening for years during the mid-election. This is when it happened. The mid-election happened in 2018. This is 2020. When this happened. Two years. Listen, don't make me get on a political rant because y'all, y'all, because all this shit that's happening in America now with this unraveling of, of, of abortion rights and all that bullshit and all these fucking uh, Supreme Court justices with the bullshit, all this, oh my God, I ain't got time to get on the fucking political rant because I got about, about four or five minutes before I wrap this up and my foot starts to go to sleep. Because I'm sitting here with a microphone, <laughs> sitting down. My leg is killing me and I'm stretching my leg out. So I'm starting to get, my foot's starting to get sleepy. So I got a few more minutes before I wrap this up. I ain't got time to go on a fucking political tangent. That shit is going to irritate the fuck out of me if I even utter what's going on. Because it's simply educating yourself and getting out and not educating yourself to be right or trying to find fault in something else. Just having knowledge of, of, of just having it. To understand how this fucking world works. And not believing in these. Oh somebody controlling this. And that's why we can't move forward. Fuck that. You create the America you want. By standing up for yourself. That's integrity. That's morale. When people talk about morale. And respectability politics. The real respectability. Is standing true. To win something that's personally affecting you that you're not going to cower down that's my morale point because when something that attacks the core beliefs that i have in it should be no thing to where you can't fixate on what right and wrong is and what your morale compass is you should know what your morale compass is i know mine mine is i don't like disrespect in any facet when it comes to children mothers The disabled disrespect on any forms of any any forms of that, any kind of disrespect towards those group of people. The mentally challenged people that have been raped, abused, disrespected in any facet. I don't I don't tolerate it all. Disrespecting people, period. I don't care what where, where you come from. You disrespect the homeless people. I don't care what color you are. Disrespect the homeless people. That's all in the facet. Disrespect the LGBT plus community. That's in the realm of that. I don't it, 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 human disrespect. I don't tolerate in any facet. And if I come across it, guess what? I'm gonna stand up and say something. Just the inequality of the, this film industry and what they're talking about being abused by the systems, just like with UPS workers. And, and also the Waffle House workers that are uh, across the, the different states of America in, in America that are striking because of the pay wage gap. That's disrespect 
to someone's livelihood. And I have problems with that. So my morale compass is fight back. And I'm standing with you. That's how I deal with those. So anytime, I don't care what it is. If you disrespect somebody with LGBT, I'm going to check you on. Period. It don't matter if I represent that demographic. It don't matter if I got a, a cousin or a, a, a sibling or mother, father. It don't matter. Somebody in my family, a friend that's of the LGBT plus. If you disrespect somebody in that community, I'm going to check you on it. Period. Whether online or in person. How do you want to get it? If you disrespect somebody that you feel is inferior to you, I have a big problem with you. That's with elderly. If you look down on elderly, if you look down on the mental, the mentally not even disabled or ill, the mentally challenged, you look down on the mentally challenged, oh, we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some problems. I respect everybody. People I don't respect are the ones that don't respect those, those groups of people. And I don't feel like I should respect you at all if you are disparaging to any of those communities, especially if you feel like you're inferior. If you feel like you're inferior, if you're superior to, to those that you feel are inferior to you, whether they have a certain class or a certain demographic, just like I have a problem with people that try to classify what's ghetto and what's this or what's that and try to try to blanket how black people should act, I have a problem with you because you have a control problem. People that have control issues, I have an issue with you. Because you're trying to, in your small world, because somebody different from you, you have an issue with. And everybody should align themselves the way you imagine it. And if they don't, you have a problem with it. I can simply look at somebody and be like, oh, you come from a different background. You come from this and that, that. And I can find some respect in that person and treat them as a human being. You don't do that because they come from a certain class. We're different people. I have no respect for you. Now, I should you, those people we shouldn't respect. That's the backwards thinking there. Because we don't respect those with difference of religion, sex, creed, or whatever they, or, or orientation, whatever they, whatever they prefer. Or if they don't live in the same uh, area as you, if they don't talk the same way as you, you have an issue with. I have an issue with people like you that judge. That's what my problem is. People that are insensitive. I have problems with people like that. That's what my issue is. It ain't never people expressing themselves that are not hurting people and are not disrespecting people. You're hurting people because you're being disparaging and disgusting and disrespectful. You have no idea what these people go through. So to go online and to say whatever about the film industry, about whoever, artists that you don't like their music and all that to be disparaging and disrespectful, you don't know what those people go through on a day-to-day basis. You don't know what anybody goes through, whether or not they're famous or not. Just to say nasty shit to people just because in person or online, you have no right to do that. And if somebody comes back to you that way, you better you better expect it. That's all I can say about that. Because a lot of y'all need to be punched in the mouth, if you ask me. But that's a whole separate conversation. You know, the Republicans, they're trying to undo laws. If they're trying to bring segregation back, I'm actually kind of for that. Because if y'all can, if you can separate me from, we can have separatism of all these stupid-ass people in the world. That would be really great. 
Because I'm so, that's who I'm trying to be associated with. Is you motherfuckers that try to uphold respectability. It does absolutely nothing to evolve society. So I don't know why people subscribe to it. If anything, at the end of this savvy talk that I can bring, fight the power. Fight the powers that be. That great, wonderful poets, Mr. Chuck D and Mr. Flavor Flay, wrote 1989, Fight the Power for a Fight the Power. <laughs> fight the Power. Or do the right thing, I should say. Fight the Power, I don't say Fight the Power movie, I meant <laughs> Fight the Power song, that's what I meant to say. But you know, wrote the the classic fight, uh, public enemy wrote Fight the Power. And I feel like that's it subjugated. I feel like that can be used to describe the systems that we continuously fight. And it's not an uh, anonymous, it's not an anonymous thing where we don't we don't know who it is. We know exactly who these CEO, CEOs are if we research them. We have the, the information now to get it. And I'm so glad that they have people in place in these unions and I'm supporting the SAG, I'm supporting the WGA, and hopefully however long it takes them to get, but as long as they, they increase their residuals for these these film and TV series, even reality shows too, that, that's that's a part of it as well. I know a lot of reality shows started to become popular when the, when the strike happened. That's how all that stuff happened. Because there was a lot of shows that wasn't created during that time, during 2008, and that's how we got an influx of all these different reality shows. They became popular because, you know, they were striking at the time, and so all these stuff got greenlit because it doesn't cost a lot of money to make reality shows. It's very low budget. No matter whichever one, if whatever uh, network they're on, they, they don't cost a lot of money to make. Not as much as uh, doing a film or TV series and sitcoms and whatnot, so... Influx of reality shows happened greatly in uh, 2008, you know, as the ones that have created franchises after franchise and blah, 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 blah on that. But yeah, supporting the writers and actors strike a thousand percent. Once again, you know, hopefully they get everything that they asked for in the negotiations and then some that these greedy ass CEOs realize that they can't make any of these things possible without writers and actors and that this artificial intelligence they're trying to push ain't nobody gonna go for that bullshit it's all people are already critical of actors performances y'all really think they ain't gonna or or just annihilate all these ai based tv shows and shit y'all trying to push you really think they your consumers is that dumb that's the thing they think people are that stupid they bet on y'all being dumb that's across, again, across all industry. They bet on y'all being stupid. They really do. And, and it's 100% true for, you know, like the, the working, cat, working class, middle class, those jobs, those regular jobs that y'all go to, they count on y'all not understanding the mechanism of your job so you don't ask for much. That's why when you accept whatever salary or wage if you do hourly or salary, if you don't research what your position is, they're going to they gonna hold you to that. 
And then if you do ask for a raise or increase, your your performance is going to be evaluated. <laughs> and if it's not of standard, guess what? You ain't going to get it. But if you know what you're doing, if you know how to maneuver through there, you're going to get what you want. Because that's a part of negotiation. But yeah, with unions, it's different. With music industry, I wish we did. But again, I got to have a panel to talk about that with that because it was an argument. Somebody made that argument that songwriters and, and artists don't need unions and stuff like that. And they were making their case on that. But I was like, I disagree because that's why I feel like there's so much dysfunction in terms of the whole streaming because that's a whole issue with that, with, with Pandora and Spotify. Like I said this years ago, I was, I was on public platform saying that they should have, the record labels, they should have been ahead of this as soon as it dropped. As soon as they started seeing numbers for that, as soon as it dropped, they should have been researching what these streaming services were to get these artists their money. Because they're losing out a lot of money with streams. You're talking about people who are getting millions, millions of streams and they're only seeing like pennies. That's like ridiculous. Especially when that's the way of the world and how it, you know, like I said, watch Fran Drescher. She, she, I feel like that's equivalent to what she said in terms of, you know, you can't expect with inflation, with every changes that y'all have done in this film industry with streaming and that the pro, the next thing wouldn't be for the wage increase. Like that's just counterproductive a hundred percent. She also made a great analogy of this is like Titanic, like moving the furniture around on Titanic. Exactly. And then people that don't get that reference is basically the boat is sinking and all you're worried about is the furniture in the fucking boat. It's like, come on now. It's like, it's the same. Again, all these worlds are colliding and we are seeing an uprising. We're seeing difference. Hopefully, you know, enough noise will be made and that changes will be made. Yeah, I'm 100% with, with uh, everything. Again, savvy talk. I'm going to end this podcast episode saying with a savvy talk, fight the powers that be, man. We all need an uprising. We all. That's why, I'm, that's why I built my whole platform on is to go against the systems that are not highlighting our content creators, our artists, our singers, our songwriters, our musicians. So you're going to see more episodes as I go out through the year of me having different people a part of the arts, a part of whether it be chefs, whether it be podcast hosts, whether it be therapists, whether it be, you know, that's what my platform is for, is for everybody. It's not, I know I have a lot of musicians on, but it's mostly to highlight, like I said, the same disparaging things that the, the art actors and writers go through. Like I said, music industry, people in the music industry, we experience the same exact shit. That's why I can fully relate to what they're doing. And the only difference is we don't have a union. They they have the union protect them. We don't have we're we're solo dolo out here. So if some shit don't go through, and it's even worse because if we don't get some shit in base, it, and it's about the same as with the producers too. If you don't do certain things, if you don't say the right things, then it can you know people you, you get a disparaging about your name and reputation in the industry and if people don't want to rock with you they don't want to rock with you the same thing in the film industry they do the same thing like what Monique was talking about in terms of them labeling her difficult it was difficult for her to move forward I think Janet Hubert from the play Anne Viv and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that was her whole right with Will Smith and he apologized for that he didn't realize that how much weight his words because in his moment he's just dealing with his feelings and his trauma that he's trying to go through when they had their heart to heart talking during their their reunion 
uh, taping, he was expressing, this is what I was going through in my head. And she understood, she was like, this is what my, this is what my experience was. This is what I was going through at the time. And so what you're perceiving of me and my hardship is me going through a divorce and going through, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, man, I was going through the same thing. He's like, man, I'm trying to impress you. I'm, I'm dealing with all that stuff. And I didn't think you liked me from day one because, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then they come together like, oh, this is just us battling our traumas, dealing with our things. And we didn't have communication and we didn't talk. And with that, it was left to other producers and other people to interpret it that this is a dysfunction and that I can't work with you because you didn't work well with Will Smith. And that ended, you know, evidently affected her career. Now her career is doing good now. I think she's on other TV series and other projects as well. She's working like very, I think comfortably now, but uh, for a certain time period, that wasn't the case for her and she was blackballed a lot. And I believe that. Same with Monique. Same situation, man. Come on. You know? Y'all gotta have, you know, guys understanding. You know, we're gonna end the podcast though, because I'm going a little bit too far. I'm gonna start rapping about other stuff if I don't <laughs> get into other things, you know, if I don't stop now. But thank you for tuning into the podcast episode. If you get anything from this, like I said, Saturday talking spice the power that be. If you can inform yourself, informity what you don't know, and now you know, let's do better. Let's be better. Be better human beings. Move forward with empathy and kindness. That's what we need. Those that's disrespectful and disparaging, I don't even want to ignore them. I said this on an Insta story on my Instagram. To those that have nothing to add to the conversation, when it's popular culture news happens, if you have nothing of upliftment or positivity to say, then see your way out of these conversations. It's your opinion is absolutely not needed at all. You're adding nothing to the conversation, but your misinformed self, negativity, and ignorance. That's all you're adding to the conversation. So if you're not going to add to these writer and actor strikes conversation with a listening ear and learning what these actors and and writers are experiencing and not what you perceive something to be of what you made up in your head of what they should have because this is what you perceive to be instead of what actually is then see your way out of the conversation because it's not needed at all I'm very direct with that it's not needed. If they're not going to be, they're too nice to tell you that. I know Leslie Jones, you know, she gave it to y'all. And I'm like, I'm with that. And more influencers need to go that approach, what Leslie Jones did. Because a lot of y'all need to be cussed out. Because that's why y'all get away with the stuff y'all say, because nobody checks y'all on it. Y'all just allowed to maneuver through these comments. And then most of y'all profiles is private. So y'all know what y'all saying is wrong. That's why your your account is private because you don't want that backlash. You don't want people, ain't that something? You don't want nobody poking in on your life but you have so much commentary on other people's life. Ain't that ironic to you? That ain't ironic yet? The light bulb ain't went off in your head yet? Hmm. But yes, savvy talk. Go in these conversations 
with these any conversation that's happening if you don't know nothing about it get knowledgeable of it and let's learn and be better and do better everybody deserves to live a comfortable life not asking even if you do ask for whatever your amount somebody might perceive it to be a lot who cares you earn the right to ask for whatever it is if you put the work in. And you have the the, the accolades, the, not even the accolades, but the, the resume to back it up. Because that's what it's about. Your experience is everything in the world. Experience is everything. That's what they look for when you fill out that job application, when you submit that resume or fill out that job application. They want to know your job experience. They want to know your experience. And whatever their protocol is of that, that's how they determine how much they're going to pay you. That's a very simple concept. So whatever you feel you're worth and your resume can back that up, ask for it. I don't care what industry you're in. You could be an IT person. You could be a marketing executive. You can be a film producer, TV producer, I don't care. Whatever it is, whatever you want out of life, whatever whatever it is you feel your worth, that's what it is. And with that, thank you for tuning to Soul Savage Podcast. Your host, and Green, and I'm out. Whether you need to be comforted, soothed, or relaxed, Soul Savviness got you. The ultimate getaway. You are listening to the sounds of Soul Savviness Podcast, where we are sure to put your mind, body, and soul at ease.